All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, April 17th of 2023 here. First show of the week. Gotta love a good Monday show. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. So, you know, going to be catching up on questions that came in from over the weekend here. I uh, apologize if I sound a little funny. Been a little under the weather but going to do my best to, uh, you know, work through it here <laughs> and, uh, and and answer your guys' questions, give you guys a good show. So apologies for uh, maybe talking a little slower, maybe not being so uh, high energy today, but doing my best here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at Sabersim. This is a show where we go over how to use the Sabersim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can post questions live in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it. People will have questions over the weekend. I tell them to drop it in there, and then on Monday we will get going and get to all of those questions. But that being said, going to get the app pulled up here. Benny Hanna is here. What is up, Benny Hanna? Nice to see you. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, we have questions in the Discord. I also have a couple of questions that came in in the uh, support inbox over the weekend. I'm actually going to get started with those, and then we will get to all the questions before the end of the show. But it looks like our first question from support here. Uh, this is a good one. This is a good chance to talk about the model a little bit, some of the things that the team is doing behind the scenes. So question says, hello, I have a question on the low probability home run guys and your view on the model performance on them. As a specific example, Jonathan Daza seems to have a daily projection of 7 to 9% of hitting a home run, but career-wise, he's hit home runs in about 2% of games. Looking at other model projections for his yearly total, it seems to be in that 2% range. Is there something specific about his profile where more home runs are projected or are the daily projections on the very low probability home run guys hard to model? So this is a good question here. One second. So um, I actually got back to this user already in support, but I did want to talk about this in general because I think it's like a good question and good for everybody to be aware of here. So there's a lot that goes into projecting these batters. Um, obviously, historical performance is important. Uh, you know, we look at an entire player's career, but then we also do um, what is called like decay rate optimization, where we weigh different parts of their careers differently. We weigh, you know, recent data more. We weigh data from 10 years ago a little less. Uh, you know, there's aging curves and, and all of these interesting things when you start getting into it. But let's just talk about Daza here specifically. Uh, if we look at his home run expectation, it is 0.07, which you can see uh, over here on, on the right-hand side. If you were to go look at his projection for today, a uh, couple things to note. You know, one, they are in Colorado, right? Uh, everybody knows that Colorado is a great hitting environment, so there's a lot that goes into park factors, environmental factors, uh, matchup factors. You know, who is he facing, right? Uh, who's pitching for Pittsburgh today? Rich Hill, uh, you know. Rich Hill is 6,000 salary. Uh, don't want to talk bad about him, but, you know, he's he's at the tail end of his career, not really in his prime anymore. 
you know, facing somebody like Rich Hill is a lot different than facing somebody like Max Scherzer, right? And then if we go back to Colorado played in Seattle this weekend, so I was doing this earlier. If you go back to Saturday, uh, Daza had the day off on Sunday. If we go back to Saturday and go and look at his um, home run expectation, so today it's .07 in Colorado on Saturday in Seattle. If we scroll over here to the right, it was .04. So like just about, or I mean, almost half of, of what it is today in Colorado. And then, you know, I'm not sure who he was uh, facing here. George Kirby. George Kirby is a, a higher salary pitcher, um, younger, you know, um, pretty, pretty good, all things considered uh, at, at the moment, right? So, you know, a lot of it is contextual you know it, it it matters who they're facing it matters where they're facing them it matters you know environmental factors what is the wind what is the temperature all these things considered right so all that goes into these projections is, is not just like raw historical uh projection there so i i i'm you know fairly confident in in what we are showing here in the home screen and you know um in these projections uh, a lot goes into it so just an opportunity to say hey you know these are why you can see different things. Ultimately, I think it's okay, uh, but was a good question overall. Definitely worth talking about. All right. Second question that came in from support, and then we will jump over to the Discord. This question says, should I be able to adjust generate lineups with little user input other than my two adjustments, or will I be more successful using my own projections? The past couple of nights I've mass entered 20 max tournaments, but the lineups I imported didn't do much. I'm trying to work with through my strategy of using this tool. So good question here. Uh, kind of piggybacks on the last question here and talking about, you know, projections and our models and stuff like that. I'm of the thought process that you could go into the builder and really not do anything with the data here on the home screen and then just build your lineups and then do most of your work in the post build here uh for you know reference like that's basically what i do i'm not doing anything in the home screen i'm not really adjusting projections or um looking at individual batters or anything like that the only thing i will do sometimes is adjust ownership i think that like um some of the highest owned pitchers can get more ownership you know jacob Degrom at 49 percent um he might come in even higher i think that like especially with baseball with batters being so variant and pitchers being much more like reliable. I think that um, a lot of people would just jam the best pitchers and, and play them at a super high rate. And, you know, if you guys follow like the DFS daily newsletter, I know that a lot of people in the DFS community follow that, read that they kind of uh, suggest that to users. So then me in my head, I'm like, okay, if this, you know, source is saying, hey, jam the best on pitchers, get different at hitters, uh, people are probably going to do that. So then the best owned pitchers or the highest projected pitchers are probably going to be owned a little more. So that that is like a little bit of like a game theory thing that I try to work into my process. But for, for the most part, I think it's fine to come into the home screen, not do too much here, and then do all of your work in the post build. That's That's what I do. I also like to run some research builds. I will run like some builds to uh, <clears throat> try and see, you know, 
Um, how do how does a build look with no correlation? And I'll look at my pictures. How does a build look with reduced correlation? And what stacks are still coming up? Which stacks are still uh, really good on a stack basis? And and try and figure out where I want to take some stands. How do I think about the chalk? Um, am I okay with the chalk? Do I think about chalk batters or stacks different than chalk pitchers, etc.? So I think that I'm getting all of that information after I run builds. So I think it's okay to um, come into the home screen, not do any adjustments, and then do all of your work in the post build throughout multiple builds, however you want to do your research. Um, but I don't think you need to do too much in the, the home screen. Team works really hard on the projections that we put out. All right. Um, Benny Hanna said, totally agree there. Not the highest owned, but the best projected pitchers. Yeah, exactly. Like The best projected pitchers are people are just slamming them from, from what I can tell. All right. Those are our two questions that came in via support. We will make sure to get a timestamp recording of those back over to those users. And then we are going to jump over to the Discord here. So it looks like our first question came in uh, from John Sams Jr. And question says, uh, really quick, Zach said, one MLB dime, $300 tourney last night with the same. Congrats, man. Uh, glad to hear you having some success. All right. Jay Sams Jr. said, good afternoon. I have a three-part question. Part one, what factors are determined in a batter's fantasy score? Question two, what factors are in a pitcher's fantasy score? Does it account for how well the how well that pitcher does against lefties and righties? Question three, what are some good websites to find how well a pitcher or batter will do against their upcoming opponent? Thank you. Keep up the great work. Saber Sim rocks. Okay, so I'm just going to handle these one at a time here. So Jay Sam Jr. said, what factors are determined in a batter's fantasy score? Uh, so, so really, I mean, what is determined in a batter's fantasy score is – you know, what they can, what, what factors are graded for in, by the sites, you know what I mean? So like singles, doubles, triples, home runs, stolen bases, runs, RBIs. Um, those are like the main scoring components for all of the sites. So all of that gets factored in. Um, it will vary a little bit site to site. So like one thing I know is that if you're playing over on owner's box, they give you, they give batters negative points for strikeouts. So if a batter strikes out, it's negative 0.5 points, I believe. But if you're playing on DraftKings, I am almost positive they do not tax the players for striking out. So um, I'll, so some of it will come down to what site you're playing on. So you can be aware of some of those things. Um, all of that does get translated and captured here in the app. Um, so just some things to note there, but I mean, ultimately, you know, what is going into these projections is the game outcomes from our simulation database here, you know, and then that is what we summarize with all of these summary statistics that you see, but, but yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're simming the game each game thousands of times. We are taking the outcomes of those games and then we are translating it into fantasy points. All right. And then um, same goes for the pitchers here. Second part of the question was what factors are in a pitcher's fantasy score so you know it's it's strikeouts it's earned runs it's um i believe DraftKings has like a uh quality outing like boost if they have like a quality start they get a couple points for that um you know how many point how many runs are they giving up so so 
all of that kind of comes from the sites directly. And then third part is uh, what is a good website to tell how well a pitcher or batter will do against their upcoming opponent. So frankly, I don't do any outside research outside of Sabersim for baseball specifically. The only things that I do check are these um, two websites, which I'll show you guys here on the screen right now. And let me just pull this up. So two like free to use resources that I would recommend checking out. Uh, one is this MLB weather report. It's a Roto Grinders uh, free tool. Kevin Roth is their meteorologist. He also has a Twitter handle where you can keep up with tweets uh, closer to game time. And then he puts out this uh, weather report talking about places that are um, a little riskier to play. Uh, even notes this PPD here and then places that are like, good places to play at times so you know are the temperatures warm is the wind blowing out um are, are is it a good hitting environment etc so this is like a really easy to use comprehensive dashboard here and then the only other thing i'll use is the fantasy labs vegas dashboard where they have um vegas team totals so you can come in here and see what the team totals are So one thing that I, I do like to look at is the line movement here. So you'll be able to see like, okay, you know, what did it open at? Um, what is the current line? And then has that line shifted or not? So so sometimes what I'll notice is like, if you have a team that is like the highest team total by Vegas um, and their line is moving in a positive direction that they can get like extra ownership. But um, Saberson does not directly go off of Vegas as far as, our team totals that you see in the app so we can be a little different so i i do like to pull this up come in here sort by vegas and then see how this matches up to what we have in the app i think that you know you could just like for instance we have colorado um vegas has them at 6.7 projected points today and then sabersim has them at 6.2 so if we go and look at the colorado batters their projected ownership for like the top five batters in the order here is I, I would put them at like 25 to 30% stack ownership, but, but also, you know, Sabersim is half a run lower than Vegas. So chances are they might come in even higher than that. So that is just some things I like to do to spot check some stuff to know where Sabersim is different versus um, Vegas, uh, how does that, how is that going to affect ownership or how do I think that's going to affect ownership and then make decisions from there. But aside from those two tools, I'm really not using anything else. All right. Gonna keep it rolling. Uh, Zach said, thank you. Hope you get better. You sound sick. Uh, just joining in. Yeah. So, you know, not feeling great. Uh, working, working through it, doing my best to get you guys answers so you can continue to take down tournaments but i don't want you to have to wait any longer than you need to for an answer and i'll said the stash is gone yeah man i felt like it was time to 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 make a change here so uh it was a it was a fun experiment but you know just like any uh new strategy in dfs you you test it out you see how it's doing and then if it is not working for you 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 get rid of it and you move on to the next one so doing uh you know felt like it was time maybe we'll bring bring it back at some point all right, next question here from Kevlar. 
Uh, Kevlar said, I typically play 50 to 60 unique MLB main slate lineups a day. How many min uniques would you recommend? I know you said to generally do one less than the maximum your pool allows, but that's usually five for me. Is that too many for only 50 to 60 lineups? Thanks. Okay, good question here. So, you know, I, I, I've i said this like a couple different ways, but I just want to be like super clear. So you do not have to use this min unique players. This is here as a diversification tool for users to use if they want. I've talked to good users who don't use this at all. I've talked to good users who love this tool and use it like uh, regularly, right? So there's no wrong or right answer as to uh, what the correct number you should set it at is. It's really based on your risk tolerance. So if you are somebody who's like, hey, I want to maximize for upside. I don't care, you know, how if I have, you know, negative 90% ROI nights, um, I just want to get the best players, the best teams, the best lineups in into my contest. And when I'm right, you know, give me the best chance of taking down a contest. People with that attitude, like, hey, you know, don't use it, you know, leave it alone. Other users say, hey, I want to get really spread out. I want to diversify. I want to, you know, not have all my eggs in one basket. Great. You know, find a number where what this number is set at and the exposures that you're seeing in the app here make you comfortable that you are happy with. Maybe you're like, Hey, I'm good having a lot of Texas and then kind of getting pretty spread out from there and, and having one big stand and then mixing it up from there. So maybe you're okay with this type of exposure where you have 65% Texas and then no more than 25% of any other team across your 20 lineups. So let the exposures guide you uh, to what is, what makes you comfortable and then figure out, where your min unique should be set from there, but but you should be looking to get some feedback from the app as opposed to somebody just telling you like, hey, four is just the magic number, always use four. Uh, somebody does tell you that, I would be very skeptical of, of the advice that you're getting. All right, um, continue. <laughs> Neil said, uh, nobody ask any more questions or Andrew is going to lose his voice. Hey man. I will lose my voice answering every last question you guys have. That is okay. All right. Snowman said, uh, Andrew, can you do five push-ups? Uh, so yes, I could definitely do five push-ups, but if you can hear my voice right now, you know, I, I'm not going to be doing five push-ups today. Now, now is not the time for me to be exerting myself physically here. All right. GA 33 has a question. As hi Andrew, another mini unique question for you. How do you treat mini uniques for NBA after you've done a late swap? Also, when you adjust the mini uniques, is SaberSim already factoring the players that have locked? All right, good question here. Um, so for me specifically, it kind of depends how many um how many how my top exposures have locked. So I don't have a CSV for today or one like from yesterday, but, but let's say we were doing a late swap, right? And when, when you late swap, let's just build some lineups. I'm not going to be able to late swap here. Okay. Let's do this instead. So I can't late swap for today. Um, how do I want to do this? 
but you know what? I do have a late swap from owner's box um, from this weekend. So uh, let me let me log into owner's box on my main account, and then I'll show you guys uh, the way I was working with this. But give me a second to get all set up here. Go back to yesterday. Uh, actually, I played Saturday. I did not play yesterday. Okay, so this is a good example here. So I played over on Owner's Box on Saturday. I would highly recommend playing some of their NBA contests. They overlay regularly. Um, but let's say that, you know, this 952 is when the slate locks for me. And then I ran uh, late swaps at this 1230 window, at this 3 p.m. window. I'm running it based on significant projection changes, which you can see in the NBA lineup alerts channel in the discord uh with when when the slate is running if we have sims that run and a player moves by more than two points in a positive or negative direction we consider that a significant projection adjustment and then we summarize that at the conclusion of our sims running which you can see in the discord so there was a adjustment here in this second window and for me when i'm running a late swap what matters to me is you know have my top exposures locked yet so at this first window it was the brooklyn game so brooklyn and philly had locked right so i had six lineups with dinwiddie i had three lineups with melton but all these other players had not locked yet so i'm okay coming in here and still getting to the min unique number that i previously had let's say that this sacramento golden state game was the first game of the slate where I had um, 100% De'Aaron Fox, 90% Kevin Herter, 90% Sabonis, and then I had 70% Keegan Murray. If th those players had locked already, you know, they're in so many lineups. They take up so many roster spots. They take up so much salary. Um, if they had locked, I would be okay with my mini uniques being lower here just because... Um, more of my lineups have locked at that point. So so basically the way I'm handling it is the less players that have locked in my lineups, the more min uniques I want to go get uh, closer to what I started out with pre-slate lock. The more players that have locked in my lineups, the less min uniques I'm caring to go and get because more of those players have already locked. So my my thinking behind that is that, hey, a lot of these players have locked. I just want to get to the new best available plays and not get so diverse. But hey, on the other hand, hey, a lot of my players haven't locked yet. Let's make sure that my lineups still have some diversity or a good amount of diversity in them. And then last part, it says, when you adjust the mini uniques, is Sabersim already factoring the players that have locked? So yes, it is. So when our mini uniques is looking at these lineups that you see over here on the right-hand side, and then this information is factoring the players that have already locked in your lineup. So it is directly looking at the lineups that have been generated. <laughs> Neil said, snowman trying to kill Andrew. Definitely, man. Trying to get me to do push-ups today. No bueno. All right. Next question from Jay Rupert. Jay Rupert said, how do you recommend using the geomean filter for nba showdown 20 max below 10k entrant contests 
I've had mixed results this weekend. Uh, yeah, good question here. So as far, let's go over to DK. We could pull up a showdown contest. So we'll talk about one of the showdowns for tonight. And we'll talk about this Golden State Sacramento one. So how do I use it? Um, I'm basically using it the same way regardless of the contest size. The only thing that's really changing is my calculation. So as far as, you know, my um, number of dupes that I'm shooting for. So the way I do it is I don't actually – Okay, ideally, I would have like a unique lineup for all of my entries, right? Like in a perfect world. Uh, but but that's not always what happens, right? Sometimes the best lineup that you can find is duped, you know, maybe under five times, maybe under 10 times. You're trying to balance duplication with win expectancy here. Um, we're not just trying to find ten, uh, unique lineups here, right? 20 unique lineups. Uh, you could find unique lineups, but they might be really bad, right? But So like... They're unique because nobody else is playing them because their win expectation is so low, right? So there's like this middle ground that you're kind of shooting for here. So I'm usually fine playing any lineup um, within that range. So the way I do it is I use my geo mean as like a guardrail and say, hey, I, I really don't want to play any lineup duped, more expected to be duped more than 20 times. 20 is just way too much for me. Um, let's just put this buffer around 20 and then let's figure it out from there right so that's the way i use it and then along with the geomine filter i'm also looking at um salary so i know that you know lineups that are you lineups that use the full salary of 50k are much more likely to be duped so i will put in a post build filter of hey um show me uh high lineups where salary is 50k where all the salary is used so i'm getting rid of that component as well um but but yeah i mean it's it's pretty straightforward you know i i think it's okay uh you are gonna have mixed results you know these the sample size isn't huge here even over the weekend if you're playing every single showdown maybe that was like 10 showdowns um so all it is is a duplication tool is it, it's a way to try and uh decrease duplication but that is ultimately important to the ev of all of your lineups all right, see a lot of questions coming in the YouTube chat. Uh, we will jump over once we are through with all of the Discord questions. Have about two more questions to go here. All right, uh, looks like Benny Hanna here in the Discord. Awesome to see you, and awesome to see you on the pro plan. Uh, said, I want to know more about ways to filter down the lineups to achieve the highest upside lineups. Do you have common custom metrics we could try. Okay. So good question here. Um, if you are interested in learning more about custom metrics, uh, since you're on the pro plan, you have, ex you have access to pro exclusive videos here. So in the discord, there's a pro dash videos channel. I would go in there and I would scroll up, um, and see some of our past videos. We have plenty of lineup, plenty of, um, content here around custom metrics. Jordan is like a uh, custom metric aficionado, I, I would call him. He, he he does a lot with custom metrics, talks about different ways to use it. There's a video, um, Coach Jordan reveals his Saber Sim Pro custom metrics. This was actually before the Saber score 
2.0 um, update, but he just talks about like custom metric thought processes, ways to figure out what you're looking for. Um, I don't have any custom metrics that I'm using, but I think that video is like a good starting point to learning about custom metrics and the thought process behind them. All right, jumping back to the channel. Um, okay, and then also I want to know more about ways to filter down lineups to achieve the highest upside lineups. So if you want to just like maximize for upside here, um, I, I would just recommend using the percentiles as well or being aware of the percentiles. So this is for today. Oh, actually I'm on, I got to switch back accounts. So Benny Hanna said, great, thank you. Uh, yeah, one other thing that I did want to show you really quickly before we move on to the next question. And let me just get back to where I was at the beginning of the show. Okay, so we're back to the MLB um, main slate for today over on DraftKings. Going to go into this build that I ran. So if you go down to our lineup sorting metrics here, we have all of our Sabre scores, which you could see the um, formulas for here, which is like a balance of mean projection, upside, and adjusted ownership. If you want to just maximize upside, you can use the percentiles alone and then say, you know, this is basically like a 100% weight on 99th percentile. So like these are some of the highest scoring projected um, lineups like across our Sims, right? So what sorting by 99th percentile means, it says, hey, when we create this combination of players and then analyze this lineup across our entire simulation database, this lineup scores the highest in their 1% outcome. So if we go to... Uh, percentile 99th here, you can hover over it and then it'll show you different scores. So it's saying, Hey, this lineup's 99th percentile score in the Sims, which is the score that this lineup achieves 1% of the time is 197.07. And then we could go to the next lineup and then see what that lineup's 99th percentile is the, the score that this lineup gets 1% of the time. So what we do is after the lineup's built, we go and take this lineup and then look at how this lineup scores across all of our sims and then that is how we get this basically range of outcomes for the lineup itself so if you want to maximize for upside um, you could do that on a 99th percentile basis a 95th percentile basis and uh, look at some of those values all right chuck the pure last question in the discord Chuck said, Fandle gives pitchers four fantasy points for a quality start, whereas DK does not. Thank you, Chuck. Um, I thought somebody did, but I wasn't sure who. So it looks like um, Fandle does and DK does not, like Chuck said. So, yeah, like this goes back to the scoring environment. You know, um, these things are captured in the app with our mean projections, um, but just good to know the differences between the sites. Benny Hanna said, thanks. Happy to help. All right, jumping over to the YouTube chat. David said, thoughts on using this lineup rule for MLB DFS. Use outfielders, catcher, shortstop, second base, 1B, 3B, group, automatic rule. Use exactly five requirements, home run greater than 0 0.1 with no unique 420 max contest. 
Okay, so my 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 opinion is that this isn't something that I would do per se here. So what you're saying is that you're going to add rule, you're going to group, you're going to automatic, you're saying use exactly five, and then you're making a requirement that says home runs greater than 0.1. So what you're saying is like, hey, I want to play at least five players who have a home run expectation greater than 10% in my lineups. The reason I don't love this rule is because what, what you're saying is that you want guys who are very likely to hit home runs, but that kind of takes the approach that like all batters are like very individualistic but we know that in baseball correlation and stacking is so prominent because baseball on the offensive side on the fantasy scoring side is very very um team focused so it's it's runs how do you score a run you get on base somebody else hits you in so not only did that player score the run somebody else got a hit somebody else got an rbi and then every at bat that one player gets every time somebody gets on that's an extra bat for somebody else on the team so all of these things compound and they just build and stack on each other that is why stacking is so important if you write this rule where you say hey have at least five players with at least a 10 percent home run expectation frankly i don't know enough about players home run expectations to say if this will affect your stacks or not but i just think that this line of thinking is you're basically trying to like say you're basically it to me it seems like you're trying to parlay home runs together and say hey if i have you know so many of my players hit a home run in my lineups that lineup's probably going to do good and like that's true you know one swing of the bat a home run is 14 fantasy points that is usually well over the mean projection for any one individual player so i so yeah you get the points but i think that you know you're you're kind of abandoning abandoning the correlation stacking um, part of your DFS lineups. And then now trying to just pick guys who hit home runs. And I think that you could probably get paid better for that doing some type of home run prop prop parlay, but, but I would be just a little careful. I think that this rule could lead to smaller stacks overall, which is like my main concern. So Maybe run it, see what kind of lineups you're getting back on the other side. But if this rule leads to you having a lot of small stacks, I would be very concerned about using this. But I could be wrong and you could still get good stacks and maybe you like the way the lineups look. So run the lineups, you know, give it the eye test, see what type of constructions you're getting on the other side and see if it makes sense for what you're trying to do. All right. Scrolling down here. Uh, next question came in from Noah. Noah said, how does the sim handle two-game NBA slates? Does it try and fit in the best plays, or can you push it to do specific builds like a balanced or stars and scrubs? Okay, so let's go over to NBA. We'll talk about a little NBA strategy for today. And we have this two-game slate. So, if you want to know what the builder is trying to do, the easiest way to look is look at the sliders and where they are. 
So let's say we're playing like a, um, let's say we're playing large field, right? We're playing some large field merit play on like FanDuel or something. Uh, correlation is at zero. So we're saying, hey, we don't want to make any adjustment for correlation in this build. And then we're also saying that sim diversity is at nine. So basically at sim diversity 10, what we are doing is we are taking single slate simulations. So we would be simming each game one time, looking at the fantasy points scored in that slate simulation, and then building the optimal lineup based on that. That is what happens at Sim Diversity 10. The builder is saying, hey, we don't need to be that specific for this two-game slate. We are okay using Sim Diversity 9, which is just taking a small bucket of Sims and then doing the same exact process, simming the games, figuring out the fantasy scores, building the lineup based on those few Sims. So this tells me that, hey, you probably do not need an optimal lineup to win this contest. That's like ultimately what I am concluding from the sliders. Um, as far as, you know, stars and scrubs versus a balanced build, the builder is going to kind of give you that in the post build here. So let's just run 500 lineups and let's see what we're getting on the other side. Uh, usually your exposures will kind of tell you what you, what kind of constructions are going to be best here. So I like to look at, I like to always start right to left. So I like to start with stack types. Um, what stacks are the most common here? You can look at your pool to get an idea of the most common stacks. And we're getting a lot of three stacks, some four stacks, some three stacks, some four stacks. But my takeaway is that, hey, we're not really getting that many five stacks overall here. We're really not getting any six stacks. So we're not like hammering one team, kind of playing a little more balanced across both games. And then is there a game that we like more? Um, answer, probably yes. We like this Golden State-Sacramento game the most. Are there any teams we really like? Um, we really don't like Philly is, is kind of my takeaway here. And then now I get over to the players and then see, you know, who are our top exposures in my 150? You know, we can see who are our top exposures in our pool here. Um, this kind of tells me that we're being a little more balanced here. So our top exposure, or let's just look at the pool. Our top exposure is Kevin Herter, followed by Draymond Green, followed by Kevon Looney, followed by Spencer Dinwiddie. We don't get to anybody above 10K in more than 50% of our, uh, in more than 25% of the pool. So Embiid is over 10K. He's only in 25% of the pool, but we are rostering him in about 50% of our top 150 lineups. So it's kind of like this exercise is what I would recommend for figuring out, you know, what the builder is trying to do. So, you know, we only have one player in the 44, like under 5K, and that's Royce O'Neal. You know, we're not getting any 3K guys. We're not getting that many 4K guys. So I would consider this more balanced, but this can change, right? Uh, given different teams on the slate, maybe tomorrow there's another two-game slate with uh, – Chicago and with Milwaukee and maybe the builder handles it differently. So very slate by slate dependent. And I would let the builder kind of tell you what it thinks are the best plays, but that is how I would research that ultimately. All right. Next question from Noah. Hi, Andrew. I was catching up on the Sims discussion for baseball. Is there a compare tool for five, three versus five, two, one stacks for optimal rates 
and projections? Uh, good question. So no, I don't think there's really a good way to go back to like a past slate and analyze which stacks scored higher. Um, I think what you could possibly do here, uh, let's go back to Friday. I'm pretty sure I had an entries file loaded up here for us. Okay. So no entries file for Friday. Let's try Thursday. I have, I have one idea here. Um, this is the main slate. No, let's try Wednesday. I know I uploaded a file at some point here because we always use it for these demos. Okay. So we have an entries file for this, uh, April 12th slate, which was last Wednesday. And if I go into this build that I ran, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this review mode here. So what review mode will do is it will isolate your lineups from the other lineups in the pool and then sort them by actual score. So what well, what I'm thinking here is that you could you could do this and then one, you could see what stacks are at the top. So a couple five twos, some three threes, some five twos. Um, we, we had a lot of five twos here, but then you could also see what stack types you played. So we had the most five two lineups here. Um, I think maybe even beyond review mode, what you could do is turn review mode off, sort by actual score. This is going to sort your entire pool, regardless of the 20 lineups that you played. And then you could look at these in small buckets. And then you could say, okay, you know, this lineup um, in my top 20 lineups, sorted by actual score, I had six five threes, I had six five twos. And then I only had one naked five stack. And then I could bump this up to 150, sorted by actual. Five twos were 35% of my highest actual scoring lineups were five twos. 18% of my actual highest scoring lineups were five threes. And then you could figure it out from there. So you can go into any past build, sort by actual score, pull up your stack types, and then see what stacks were popping the most. So that is how I would recommend doing that. All right. Uh, Self has a question. What's up? How do you approach single entries? Do you have minimum salary on how much is left over? Uh, how much you leave in a lineup? And what's the minimum stacks of players here? Okay. So I did a full like walkthrough of like basically my single entry process on Friday's office hours here. So I would recommend watching this. I suggested this to another support user earlier today. So if you go over to our YouTube channel, you go over to playlists, you go down to the office hours playlist here. Um, just a note for any past show. If you go into a show, you go into the description here. We timestamp all of the questions that come in and all of the topics that we cover. So if we if there's a question that you asked and you only want to hear the answer to your question, you can go into the show, go find it, and then click on the hyperlink. It'll take you directly to that question. So we did this single entry strategy on Friday. 
in this uh, setting stack rules in MLB DFS video. I would go and watch this. I spent about eight minutes walking through single entry strategy and how to select lineups, how to figure out what the best stacks are to play for a single day. So check this out. It's a good segment and I'm not going to be able to do a much better job today given the condition of my voice. But given, go to office hours. It's a top video. It was the last video that we did over on Friday. So very recent. McKeel said, won a showdown last night. Congratulations. Uh, glad to hear you're having some success. Okay, Daniel said, is the first lineup out of a pool that shows up in your lineup list usually not the best one to play? Or is it better to get further down in your pool and find good lineups there? Okay, so let me get Saberson pulled back up here. Okay, so if you're in a post build here, right? And I'm just going to go back to today, go back to these lineups. So basically, the first lineup you see is the highest graded lineup based on whatever sorting metric you're using. So if you are using the Sabre score recommended formulas here, what this means that this is the highest Sabre score lineup is that is our way of saying, if we were to play this slate a hundred thousand times, we think that in the long run, this lineup would win the most money over that period of time, over that simulation Um if, if you were to run it that many times. So, so that is what we're saying. We say that on average, we think this lineup grades out the best from, from an expected value standpoint. It is an estimated expected value. You can't actually compute the expected value of a lineup without knowing the other lineups in that contest. Um, but we do our best to estimate it. So it, it's, it's, Hard to say, you know, what the best actual scoring lineup is going to be. If we knew, we would give you that lineup up at the top. But unfortunately, we do not know. We have to estimate and try and uh, forecast that a little bit. So we do our best to estimate it. But that is basically what we are saying by putting a lineup at the top of your pool. All right. Um, Noah said, thank you for the help. Also wondering when the consensus of the industry is to stack. Does it ever make sense to just pull the best play at each position in baseball? Okay, so this kind of goes back to like the home run rule that we were talking about earlier. Um, it's it's hard to say, but I, I think that you know you're you're thinking about it in the right way from a game theory perspective, where it's like, okay, if everybody's doing this, you know, should I pivot, right? Should I do something different? I think in general, that answer is good. I, I think that's the right way to think about it. But I don't think it's for sure that everybody is five stacking. I think that, you know, if you downloaded a contest CSV, um, I think that, you know, there's still going to be enough lineups that are not five stacking to make it good to just compound that correlation and take advantage of it. Uh, you would have to get your hands dirty in some CSVs and figure out um, what percent of your contest is actually five stacking versus four stacking versus three stacking, et cetera, and then kind of figure out what you want to do from there. But I, in general, I think that in the current DFS environment, I, th I still think um, correlation and stacking reign supreme at the moment. All right, everybody, that was our last question in both the YouTube chat support and Discord. I'm going to call it there. I need to go rest my voice and hopefully 
we'll have it back for tomorrow's show. But until tomorrow, uh, take care. If you guys have questions throughout the day, drop them in the Office Hours channel. Let them sit there. That'll get us some questions to get going for our next show. But good luck. Take care. And I will see you. Bye.